Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story comes from the southwest of England and culminates near Penzance in Cornwall. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, especially this week's new members of this exclusive club. That is Jim Naismith, Laurie Marie Wilson and Lyndon Dowdle. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much appreciated. And if you have a moment, check out a great article on UKTrueCrime.com, and it's not often I say that, but Matt from the Skinwalker True Crime podcast has written about his experience of true crime and why he started his podcast, and it's well worth a read. I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by Wooga, the creator of June's Journey. Have you played it yet? Released almost three years ago, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game set in the 1920s, with over 3 million active fans all around the world, including me. I love it as a game, as it's challenging but relaxing, and I adore the beautiful, colourful details. Each of the scenes has been handcrafted. If, like me, you love the style of the 1920s, you will love it too. And even if not, the detective in you will not be able to stop playing as you take on the role of June, who returns home to her family's estate, only to find her sister murdered leading to a global quest to solve the crime. This is a free-to-download mobile game available on mobile devices and on desktop through Amazon and Facebook. Come and join me and all the other players today. Download June's Journey for free from the App Store or Google Play or by clicking the special link in the show notes for this episode. Let's set some context by taking a look at the music we were listening to, or not, at the time of today's story. Can you guess the month and the year? The UK number one was Clean Bandit with Rockabye. Ed Sheeran topped the US charts with Shape of You. And the top album in Australia was another heavy rock classic. I bet you have it in your collection. It was the soundtrack from the movie Trolls. What's your favourite track? In the news this month, Donald Trump was inaugurated as the 45th President of the United States of America and Mike Pence as the 48th Vice President. A car ploughed into pedestrians in central Melbourne, killing six and injuring 27. The power-sharing government of Northern Ireland collapsed following the resignation of Sinn Féin's Martin McGuinness. And in UK true crime news, seven-year-old Katie Ruff was fatally asphyxiated and stabbed in the neck near her home in York. A 15-year-old girl handed herself into the police immediately after the killing. Did you get the month and the year? It was January 2017. Dean Lowe and Kirsty Noden, known to all as Kirby, had known each other all their lives, growing up together with their cousins in Winsford, Cheshire. Dean had been fostered from when he was just a few months old because his parents had drug-related problems. Kirby's mum Anita had been a close friend of Dean's dad. Dean was good fun as a child, with a loud personality, and was always making people laugh. Kirby adored Dean, following him around like a little puppy, and Dean was often around Kirby's family home, calling her mum Anita, his sister. He enjoyed looking after all the girls, showing a protective side from a very early age. However, he was also carefree and loving towards his foster family. 
Dean Coatwell at school and he and his cousins would spend long, glorious summer holidays with the cousin's nana. Remember those summer holidays when we were children and it was sunny all the time? As she got older, Kirby continued to be a happy-go-lucky little girl, very sociable and well-loved by everyone that knew her, with her infectious big smile. She had a vivid imagination and a real talent for art. Dean and Kirby first got together as a couple when they were 14, but as they grew older, they split up and lost touch as you do. However, his cousin still spent time with Dean, and they noticed how his behaviour had started to deteriorate. Rebecca Tilford, Dean's cousin, started to worry about him later in their teenage years, she said. At first he'd do things like smash windows, but by the time he was 19 or 20, he'd come to live with me because he bit someone's nose off in an argument with a local family. I ended up having to get him picked up though because he broke into a load of cars and set them all on fire. Dean would always think he was doing the right thing. My sister had a boyfriend who beat her up, so Dean stabbed him with a screwdriver. A few years later, when Dean's dad died, Kirby's mum Anita took her to his funeral, where Kirby and Dean caught up and talked about old times, and before long, a romance began to blossom. They were by now in their 20s and decided to start afresh, moving to Torquay for a while. However, they struggled financially and quickly became homeless. Accepting the situation and seeing it as an opportunity, they decided this could be the time to walk along the coastal path to Penzance in Cornwall, living in a tent for six months and keeping in touch online with Kirby's mum and cousins. But throughout this chaotic period, they began to become very heavily involved in drugs, posting pictures of ecstasy on social media. Rebecca talked to Kirby about Kirby's worries that as well as ecstasy, Dean was taking far too much heroin. The pair eventually realised it was becoming a real problem for them and turned to a drug addiction charity around 2010 where they managed to get clean. But as we all know, fighting drug addiction is an ongoing battle and they soon began to struggle, turning to legal highs. Although by now Dean had stopped contact with many of his cousins, Rebecca received stranger and even stranger messages from Dean and he began posting graphic self-harm images online. She was concerned and she would keep encouraging him and Kirby to get more help, fearing for the couple that she had grown up with. Dean would message Rebecca to tell her that he'd just slashed himself but then another time he would say how happy he was playing guitar on the beach and even going so far as to say that him and Kirby had got married in 2013 on the beach. This was followed by Kirby messaging Rebecca to say that she'd married the love of her life, her soulmate. But then another time he sent her a disturbing video, which ended with a splatter of blood on the camera. It's fair to say that Dean was experiencing huge up and downs in how he was feeling, which his online posts and videos were testament to. He used to post pictures of the carvings he had made with knives to his arms. And similar to the video he sent to Rebecca, he posted a video of him bloodletting. In this, he cut one of his limbs open, with blood pouring from the open wound, as this would give him a high similar to drugs due to the drop in blood pressure. I get similar from a mint magnum. In another post, he showed a picture of a wound he'd inflicted on himself, which was so deep that he'd commented, can see me muscle, lol. 
In 2015, Dean moved to St Austell in Cornwall, where he lived in Cosgan Hall, which incidentally was home at the time to Daniel Althas and Joshua Buscombe, who were both jailed for the brutal, financially motivated murder of Stephen Bull in January 2017. In January 2016, Dean dressed up in Kirby's underwear and posed for a photo, which she put online. That seemed strange. He was posting increasing amounts on social media, and it was increasingly bizarre. But he had been in contact less with Kirby's mum Anita, and had also begun to exert control over Kirby, preventing her from staying in contact with her mum and her family. Anita would find out how the pair were through Dean's general online posts and the messages he sent to cousins. Dean branded himself online as the biggest stoner in the world and posted pictures of himself smoking, and I quote, fucking mental concentrated weed. Throughout it all though, Dean and Kirby professed to love their dogs, posting pictures of them online and talking of the arguments they were having with the RSPCA to keep them. Dean also had an interest in exotic pets, owning spiders and snakes at the various points where he and Kirby had found places to live. They also had two children together, Kirby had five in total, but with their lifestyle they struggled to provide the care they needed and they were subsequently taken into care. On Christmas Day, Dean posted a picture of a Cornish pasty alongside a cannabis bong, calling it his festive lunch, adding that he couldn't visit family at Christmas because he was a bum. Kirby tried her best to keep the relationship going and some sense of normality doing any shopping they needed, getting cash from the benefits and finding places for them to stay or to live. But Dean, on the other hand, just preferred to sit and watch TV, taking any drugs he could get his hands on or resorting to bloodletting when he couldn't afford any drugs. Shockingly, he was sometimes bleeding as much as two pints a time to get the high he wanted. Anita went on holiday in the autumn of 2016 and whilst away she had a palm reading. The palm reader asked Anita who the girl was in her life that had five children. Anita said it was her daughter, Kirby, who had three children but had sadly lost two. The palm reader said he saw prison bars and someone behind them for a long time. He then went on to tell you, I'm sorry to tell you this, but her body is in a mess. Anita of course didn't take the reading seriously, although she did figure that Dean would end up behind bars sooner or later due to his excessive drug taking. Anita continued to try to contact Kirby, but Dean would not have it, keeping control over her. Eventually, he blocked Anita and the rest of the family on Facebook, kept control of her phone, and made it very clear to Kirby, who at this time still felt this was the man she wanted to spend the rest of her life with, that she could not have them both in her life. It was her family or him. Kirby and Dean then managed to secure a flat in Marizion, a pretty village near Mounts Bay, close to Penzance in Cornwall. It was great with a shared small courtyard garden. It was a lovely setting and a chance to start again. Kirby soon became well known amongst the tight-knit community as a polite and generous 32-year-old woman who enjoyed spending time in charity shops and churches. She was often seen walking their two Staffordshire Bull Terriers. But there was some trouble in January 2017 when a neighbour complained about the dog mess that was being left by the couple in the courtyard. The police were called, and when Dean opened the door, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Dean stepped outside to greet the officers, closing the flat's door behind him. 
The police just assumed that Dean didn't want his dogs to escape. Although in appearance Dean was clearly dirty and dishevelled, he was polite and he showed the officers that he cleaned up the dog excrement. So the police left happy, telling the neighbour all had been sorted out acceptably. A benefit payment of £220 was paid into Kirby's bank account on January the 10th and later that day it was withdrawn in cash from a cash machine using her PIN number as was usual as soon as her benefit payment was paid in. But no further ATM withdrawals were made after January the 10th. And nobody had seen Kirby for a while. In fact, the last confirmed sighting of her was on January the 11th when a homeless couple went to the flat to buy cannabis from Dean. The couple had previously paid £20 to sleep in the living room of the basement flat until Dean asked them to leave, so at this time they were sleeping in a tent on the perimeter of Penzance. Even they thought that Dean was completely out of it at the time, whenever they were there. And still nobody reported Kirby as missing. She wasn't close to her family anymore, so they didn't think that anything had happened to her. Why would they? But something had. Something dreadful. It is unclear exactly what happened, but Dean attacked Kirby in their bedroom, first smashing a huge rock into her while she was on the bed, beating her so hard with it that it broke into five pieces, and then he proceeded to hit her body, mainly her head, with a long metal pole that had three protruding screws while she was on the floor next to the bed. Blood splattered over the walls of the flat during the attack, and began soaking through the mattress and terribly stained the clothes that Kirby was wearing. Having killed Kirby in their bedroom, Dean flipped over the mattress and just carried on sleeping on it. He dumped the bits of rock out of the way around the flat and left the pole in the corner. Dean cut off Kirby's clothing and also threw it somewhere out of the way in the flat before cutting up her battered body, flushing her internal organs and intestines down the toilet and using a rucksack to transport parts of her body and perhaps the other tools he'd used to cut up her body out of the flat to dispose of. He then cut up some of the carpet and tried to clean the blood from it. On January the 14th, three attempts were made to use Kirby's bank card at the local Marazon post office, but all three were rejected due to an incorrect pin being used. That afternoon, the card was successfully used without the pin to buy an EE mobile phone credit top-up. And in the following days and months, the card was used to make purchases online and by using contactless to various outlets such as Asda, EE, Domino's, Exotic Pets, Argos, to name but a few. And among his purchases were, bizarrely, an electric nail grinder. And Dean also spent almost £200 on some pretty fancy camping equipment. He posted increasingly strange stories on Facebook. There were a large number of him looking sweaty in selfies. A meme about relationship difficulties, where a character gave the impression of tearing his heart out and smoking it. And also sharing an ITV story about the death of Moore's murdering in Brady which was accompanied by a comment from Lowe which said, Proposed dead, lol, butlered. Using his credit top-up, he messaged his cousins Rebecca and Sarah Caldwell when he said he was fucked up, sorry, and was expecting a hiding. He went on to say on another occasion that he was waiting for Judgment Day. They didn't think too much of it, just assuming it was Dean on another drug-fueled mania. As we've heard so often on this podcast, 
murderers seemed to struggle to keep their terrible secrets to themselves. And it was the following May, four months after Kirby being murdered, that Dean began messaging his cousins more details, saying, had blackout, hazy arguments, cut her up and put body and bin down the road. Remember cutting it up and putting it in the bin? Heard bin men pick it up, but they didn't know what it was. Either I'm getting set up by her and Dan, who was a former boyfriend according to Lowe, with whom he suspected Kirby of having an affair, or I've killed Kirby. I hope for her sake the body I chopped up was fake in a setup. Dean sent another message to his cousin Rebecca saying, Facts are, there was a body looking like Kirby on my floor. It was there for days. Flushed blood and guts down the toilet. To another cousin, he wrote that Kirby was missing, saying, There's two alternatives. She's dead and been chopped up and put down the toilet and bins down the road. Or she's setting me up. Dean asked his cousin if he knew anything about his childhood, going on to ask if he had killed his sister when he was three years old, to which his cousin replied he didn't know. Lowe also asked about injuring school friends and shooting his own father, saying, Look at me now, superstar loser. Should have given me a lobotomy at the age of five. His cousin suggested that Lowe visit a doctor or call a crisis line for help with his mental health, to which he replied, Pretty fucked up story to tell. Kirby is gone. I hope for her sake the body I chopped up was fake. To this he added photos of the inside wall of the flat with the dried bloodstains on the walls. To another relative who Lowe had not been in contact with for 12 years, he asked if she knew about Kirby, to which she replied he didn't, and he said, Could be a setup, but for defo there was somebody in my flat. I woke up with a body looking like Kirby on the floor. She was dead. I put the body in the bin. I've got weird things in my head that the whole thing's a setup, but yeah, I put it in the wheelie bin down the road. Speaking to each other about Lowe's claims, the cousins contacted Kirby's mum, who confirmed she'd not heard from her daughter for several months, and then she called the police. On May the 18th, 2017, the police turned up at the flat that Lowe and Kirby once shared, and Lowe admitted immediately that Kirby was dead, but he wasn't quite sure how it had happened. He invited the police officer into the flat, where it was obvious that there was still blood everywhere. He told the officer that he had to cut out the carpet because it was full of blood and guts. The police officer felt wary enough to decide he shouldn't be in the flat alone and made to leave to call for help when Lowe told him that he'd made a necklace from Kirby's teeth and he didn't know why it had taken them so long to visit him. In the formal police interview, Lowe still admitted to cutting up a body in his flat but then went on to say that Kirby was still alive with her lover that she'd been having an affair with, that Dan guy, and they'd set him up. He said he saw a knee, but it didn't look like Kirby's knee, so he put it on the top of the bin so that the bin men could find it. He said he had memories he couldn't explain. He then said that two men had raped him, and that Dan and Kirby kept returning to the flat to drug him. Talking of the broken rock, he said that Kirby smashed it onto the floor, saying, This is your stone-cold heart and now it's broken. Police looked into his claims but found no evidence of Kirby still being alive and they established that she had not been seen by anyone since January, had no passport so she hadn't gone abroad and there was no record of this Dan 
that Lowe kept referring to. Lowe still insisted that Kirby came back to the flat with Dan to have a go at him, so they came into the garden, started laughing at him and knocked him up. Lowe started to say that Kirby was alive and well and living in South Africa, having left him after an argument. The reason there was blood in the flat was because Kirby had spread it around from a colostomy bag as part of the setup. She'd also left a bag of meat on the floor near him before she and Dan had left. Lowe was arrested and whilst awaiting trial in Exeter Prison, he claimed that Kirby phoned him after his dinner. A prison officer apparently opened the door to his cell and a fellow offender came in, threw him onto the bed on his stomach and shoved a mobile phone to his ear. On the other end was Kirby and she said, You're fucked now. You've got life in jail and I've got a new life out here. Lowe said that the other residents of the jail had burned mannequins outside his cell, telling him that Kirby was in South Africa, taunting him. And in court, Dean Lowe pleaded not guilty, saying he had not killed Kirby and was still following the line of her living in South Africa, doing missionary work and him being set up. When asked about the messages he sent his family on Facebook, he said he was drugged up and having visions which weren't real. The trial was pushed back from December 2017 to April 2018 for more investigations just to see if Kirby was still alive. Lowe's mental health was clearly declining and he was treated at a psychiatric unit under the Mental Health Act towards the end of 2017. He often refused to leave his cell to appear in court and meanwhile the police dragged the local beach and sea looking for Kirby, releasing a missing persons poster locally and sending divers down to look for any trace of her. After a three-week trial, it took the jury almost ten hours to return a unanimous verdict. Guilty. Dean Lowe wasn't in court that day. He was sentenced the following week at Exeter Crown Court to serve a life sentence, with a minimum of 28 years, before he would be eligible for parole. But the sentence brought little to Kirby's family. Her mum, Anita, said after the trial that her daughter was a warm and caring person who would do anything for anybody. She went on to say that the manner in which her daughter was killed and her body cut up and thrown away meant that Kirby could never have a proper funeral. Dean Lowe has taken away from us something totally precious and although we welcome this verdict and sentence, it will never replace our loss. Anita keeps a little box on her coffee table and told a newspaper Now all that's left of my beautiful girl is this small box. Just a few pieces of tat, cheap jewellery. No gold or silver. Just some beads and rope she probably picked up in the charity shop. He was the love of her life and father of two of her children, but he didn't care about her at all. I wish I could have been there to save her. The family held a service in their local church and let 30 red balloons into the sky for her, her favourite colour being red. And just as the service started, a butterfly fluttered past Anita into the church. Anita likes to think it was Kirby. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It is of course a shocking story of how poor Kirby was first controlled and then murdered by her partner. It is a pattern of behaviour, sadly all too familiar to us all, and it's upsetting to hear how due to this control, nobody missed Kirby and no one reported her missing until Lowe admitted what he had done. If he hadn't, would she have ever been found?
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspects of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group. And to support the show and to allow me to keep producing this weekly podcast, please head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. There is loads for you there, including a recent video of all the stats, the chance to watch an episode being recorded live, and over 40 bonus episodes. That's patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. So that's all for me for today. So until we speak again next week, take it easy, cheerio, and most of all, do stay classy.